Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Randy, hey man, it's Luke. Hey buddy. Hey, I need your permission to do something. Okay. So I was supposed to have this really great interview on this episode of 30 Pop and the guy never called me. So I'm kind of scrounging for old content that I can use. And there's an episode that we recorded a long time ago that we never used. So I'm wondering, are you cool if I use some sort of old archived Randy 30 Pop stuff? Yeah. Okay. Well, now I'm nervous. (laughs) But you already gave your permission, so. Yeah, well, we can't take it back now. So I guess we're good. Here we go. All right. I'm going to start the episode then. All right. See you, man. Later. From Milieu Media Group, this is 30 Pop, a weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Braun. This is Season 1, Episode 10. If you build it, he may or may not come. Today, we're looking back at the week that ended Saturday, April 22nd, 1989. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 10 of 30 Pop. As I mentioned during the opening call, I had a really cool interview scheduled for this episode, but the guest forgot to call in. Super disappointing, but who knows? The interview may still happen, and if it does, I'll definitely still share it. All that is to say, this is going to be a little shorter episode than normal. But fear not. I already know that next week's episode is going to be jam-packed as we look back at the debut of the Disney Channel's all-new Mickey Mouse Club, of which I was perhaps the biggest fan. But first, let's talk about this week in 1989. The number one album in the country 30 years ago, one month after its release, despite, and perhaps in part because of, the controversy it had been stirring up, which we've already discussed at length on this show, was the fourth studio album by Madonna, Like a Prayer which eventually went quadruple platinum in the U.S. and sold over 15 million copies worldwide. This was week one of an impressive six-week run at the top of the charts. Even more impressive, though, is the fact that this album remained on the charts for a total of 77 consecutive weeks. Needless to say, this was a huge album for Madonna, and I'm sure we'll spend more time discussing it over the next six weeks. Unsurprisingly, the number one single in the country was the title track from that record, which would also remain number one for three straight weeks. In the movie world, we had a few big releases. The first being this action-packed little piece of martial arts ridiculousness. A champion from the West. Now that you've beaten everyone there is to beat, what's next? A legend of the East. A competition that went too far. No! That's my brother! Your brother is paralyzed. He can never walk again. He's going to pay for this. The only way you'll find him is inside the ring. And you are not good enough! I'll get him. Now, an untested challenger seeks an unwilling master to learn the art of an ancient combat. You must learn to be faster than any punch or kick. A combat where to survive you must destroy. Do not let your emotion control you. If you want to be warrior, 
culture, different world. They will fight the ancient way. Just listen. With your mind, your heart, your whole being. I'll win that fight for you and me. For honor. For love. For justice. Jean-Claude Van Damme. The power of a warrior. The heart of a champion. Kickboxer. Kickboxing, splits, catchphrases, punch sounds. What else could you possibly want from a late 80s rising martial arts star? I didn't discover this movie till a few years later when I stumbled across a probably highly edited version of it playing on late night cable TV. But I remember loving it. I spent years believing that this was the first film in which I'd ever seen Jean-Claude Van Damme before eventually spotting him as an extra sporting a spandex suit and dancing like a fool in one of my all-time favorite movies from my childhood, the 1984 hip-hop classic Breakin'. I included a link to that ridiculous scene in the show notes for this episode. Surprisingly, the number one film in the country was the original version of Stephen King's recently remade Pet Cemetery. Here's the trailer for the 89 version. What is this place? I brought you here to bury Alan's cat. Daddy, is Church all right? Why, Judge? I have no reasons. I dreamed he got hit by a car and you and Mr. Crandall buried him in the pet cemetery. What did we do tonight, Judge? What we did, Lois, was a secret. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Has anyone ever buried a person up there? May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. You're thinking thoughts best not thought of. Daddy's gonna do something really bad. You're thinking of putting him up there. Don't deny the thought hadn't crossed your mind. Come back to me, Gage. Come back to us. Pictures presents Stephen King's all-time best-selling tale of horror. Pet Cemetery. Fun fact, when I was writing the script for this episode, because of the odd spelling in the title of the book and film, Pet Cemetery autocorrected to Pet Seminary, which would have been a very different film altogether. Now, I've never read the book, nor have I seen either version of the film, and while I'm sure they're fine, I'll just say that there's nothing about that trailer that either makes me care to see it, or that explains to me how it was the number one film in the country, considering the other film that released that same weekend. Perhaps one of my very favorite movies from the 80s and 90s. I sat down this week once again with my good friend Nate Williams to talk about it. Nate, welcome back. So good to have you once again on 30 Pop. Oh, thank you, Luke. I'm finally here again. Yes. Okay. So we had you on two weeks ago to talk about, it was a fun week two weeks ago because we had the release of not only Major League, but also Jean-Claude Van Damme's Cyborg. This oh, week, right. we have the release of Jean-Claude Van Damme's Kickboxer and another great baseball movie. Okay. Field of Dreams. Oh, yeah. Yes. One of, I mean, totally maybe, different maybe than the Major best League. Baseball, maybe the best baseball movie. Yeah, I probably have it one, two, and somewhere with The Natural. I was about to say, The Natural's the only thing I can think Even of. Even though The Natural's kind of like it. a love story, but still, like... Sure, yeah. Oh, God, well, and to that end, Field of Dreams is like a sci-fi movie, but like... Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, but they're both or it's like baseball. a love story with baseball. Right, yeah. Great, 
great film. So oh. to me, this is when Kevin... I mean, Kevin Costner had done some great stuff already. Right. When Field of Dreams released. Yeah, Bull Durham, I think one year before. Yeah, because it was up for an Oscar. We right. had just That's We just right. talked about that a few weeks ago. And so he had done Bull Durham. He'd also done Silverado, which I loved. I don't know if you know Silverado. I don't Silverado. know that one. It's a Western. He's like a kid. I mean, he's not a kid, but he's probably 20 or something. Yeah. He's young in this movie. He's great. But Field of Dreams is the movie that, for me, like put him on the map in my world. Yeah, it shoots him up, you know, right before Waterworld knocks him down a couple years later. Yeah. And then, you know, anti-Semitism and whatnot. But this is a prime... Kevin, Kevin Costner with anti-Semitism? No, that was Gibson. That's Gibson, yeah. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> We'd like to offer a... A, a, <laughs> a, a warm, heartfelt apology yes. to Kevin Costner and his uh, estate. Yes. His estate. Yeah, he's, he's alive. Dead. Whatever. We're good. His eventual estate. <laughs> okay, so you did this for us with Major League. Why don't you give us sort of a synopsis of Field of Dreams? So it's funny. Once you said sci-fi, it's like it's never even occurred to me that that's a sci-fi movie. Yeah, At no it point is. in life. Oh, it totally is. But yeah. I don't have an imagination. I don't enjoy sci-fi. I don't like nonfiction. And Field of Dreams is not. It is real. Those are real people. But okay, so guy owns a farm in Iowa. Farm's not making money. Family's, you know, they're hurting. Mm-hmm. A ghost starts talking to him. If you build it, they will come. Who who will come? He just hears, if you build it, they will come. And over the course of, you know, the first part of the plot, he realizes he needs to mow down his cornfield and build a baseball field, still not knowing who whom is, mm-hmm. later to realize it's a bunch of dead baseball guys, but... No, it's not quite that. Dead dad comes back. It's true. Yeah. Dead dad. But Shoeless Joe is who he thinks will come back. Right. That's he, who he is has to the initial one. And he's got to help him out because of the Black Sox scandal of 1918. Right. So there's eight baseball players who had been banned from the league, right? Correct. Yeah. For supposedly throwing a World Series game. And Shoeless Joe Jackson is a part of this group, but it could not be proven that he actually threw the game because the guy had an incredible series with huge numbers. But he was part of it. His name forever soiled. Until Kevin Costner saves him in so 1989. This a, that's an actual story that happened. Oh, that, very true. That, that There's really a movie okay. with a couple. We talked Charlie Sheen. Is it Eight Men Out? He's in Eight Men Out. Okay, so yeah. I remember that film coming out. It's right around the same time. Yeah, but, but very, very true baseball story. Okay, cool. So and Shoeless Joe is Costner. a real man redeemed by Kevin Costner in 1989. Wow, so great film. So we got Kevin Costner, James Earl Jones. Who else is in this? Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta is Shoeless Joe. Mm-hmm. Hot wife who's famous at the time. Amy Madden. Again. There you go. Pain in the ass, brother-in-law, redhead, ginger. They're going to shut you down, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, What's his name? He wants him to sell the farm, but he won't do it because baseball player ghost becomes real-life doctor, and they finally get it. Timothy Busfield is that guy. Okay. Name. He's one of those guys who, like, I would have never known his name to have heard it. Maybe show me his face. Like, I remember Oh, yeah, he's a very stuff, recognizable but... actor. It looks very similar to modern-day Mitchell in Modern Family. I don't watch the show. Well, so don't I worry. Know. I got pop culture knowledge for every decade, Luke. Appreciate that. <laughs> so, okay, so you grew up watching this movie. Yes. Clearly. Loving this movie. So you were watching at the same time as Major League. Did you have a preference? No, man. Nine years old, baseball, I mean, I'm you're happy. a comedy guy, though, so. Yeah, at the time, I would say Major League, but, you know, aging and all that, sophistication of the palate, Field of Dreams and The Natural are up there. All the feels, man. All of them. I, I said, we're not doing natural, but like even the natural song, it's there. He's got blood on the jersey. I'm, I'm getting all hyped up. Not oh, the point. Man. So good. Sports movies were just better back then. Well, because you don't have to force the drama. It's there. Sports is drama. You know, there's a moment. You don't have to create it. It's yeah. already there. Yeah, you, you know, true. Man against man, team against team. Let's do it. Yeah. 
So let's talk then. What were maybe like your five favorite sports films from the 80s? I'm going to get lost on time here. I don't know what's 80s, what's 90s, because, I mean, you got to go Rudy, but that's early 90s. Rudy, yeah, Rudy would be um, 90s. Field of Dream 89, I don't know when The Natural was. Natural would have been before all of that. Yeah. Yeah, so Rudy was 93. Hoosiers would have been. Hoosiers is around that time as well, I believe. Maybe 91? No, Hoosiers was earlier. Hoosiers okay. was like 86, I think. Yeah, 86. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. I mean, we're we're rattling them off right now. And like I said two weeks ago, Mighty Ducks is a wonderful one. Yeah, also late. But, that's early 90s. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you what, Luke. There was one time, summer of 2002, I remember it fondly. There was this elderly lady. I assume rest in peace because, you know, 17 years ago. But she told me that I look like a young Robert Redford. Nice. And for the you know, listeners at home, see that. I'm not an attractive man. I'm a six at best. But when that 80-year-old with cataracts told me I was Robert Redford in 2002... I'm going to take it to the grave, Luke. That's really great. You know what's <laughs> funny is the first time, one of the first times I ever met you, I walked up on a conversation where you're talking to a bunch of young ladies. This was in like 2010. And I remember you telling them that you're about a six. Uh, yeah, I'm a, but you know, personality takes me to a nine and I'm okay with that. You got to know your place, stay in your lane, all that. Right. But I can see the Redford thing. I can totally, I mean, like you kind of have this ability to wear your hair or your facial hair different every day of well, the week. I do. So. You know, I don't got a lot going for me in the looks department. I got some beautiful blonde hair and some rocking calves. Yeah, when the women see me in shorts, it's on. Well, good for you, Nate. Um, <laughs> oh, so Field of Dreams, huh? Let's get back on topic. Yes. yes. Okay, so uh, any Field great memories around that movie? One of the greatest monologues yes. in movie oh history, gosh, James seriously. Earl Jones, baseball, Ray. You know, it, history's marched through like an army of steamrollers, erased and something again. But baseball, Ray, baseball stands the test oh of time. Oh, my gosh. People I'm will watch come, this movie Ray. Today. So, again, listeners here, close your eyes and baseball, Ray. There you go. 39-year-old white guy just became James Earl Jones. <laughs> Nailed it. I don't know if it was as close as it felt, but uh, it was good. It was a good effort. My so. sister, will, she'll know. That was James Earl. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, Nate. Thanks so much for being on. Can't wait to have you back. Awesome. Let's do this all the time. All right, man. We'll see you. See you, bud. I rewatched Field of Dreams a few days ago, and friends, I've got to tell you, it holds up. It's still so good. So good, in fact, that I'd like to buy it for the very next person to leave a five-star review for 30 Pop on Apple Podcasts. So take a minute, give the show a five-star rating, and write a brief review. And if you're the first person to do that after the release of this episode, I'll send you a copy of the film as soon as I read it. If you've listened to the show much at all, or if you follow 30 Pop on social media, then you've probably seen and heard me asking you to review the show several times already. That's not just because I want you to make me feel good about myself, although admittedly that's a nice side benefit. The reason I'm always looking for those reviews is because, from what I can tell at least, the way the Apple Podcasts algorithm works is that the more strong ratings and reviews the show gets, the more people they'll share it with. So if you love this show and want to help it grow or if you just want a free copy of a really amazing movie, then leaving a five-star review is a great way to do it. Thanks so much to those of you who've already done so, and thanks in advance to those of you who do so after hearing this whole spiel. Now, if you're not the first person, although you won't win the free copy of Field of Dreams, you will have a chance at winning another really fun giveaway I'm doing connected to last week's episode. If you're in, near, or willing to travel to Houston, Texas, I'm giving away tickets to An Evening with John Cusack. 
hosted by the Houston Society for the Performing Arts on June 16th. This will be a screening of Say Anything and Q&A with John Cusack at Jones Hall, and I guarantee it'll be such a fun night. To enter the giveaway, simply follow at 30 Pop Podcast and at SPA Houston on Instagram. And send me a screenshot of your five-star review of the show on Apple Podcasts. You can direct message it to me on Instagram or email me at 30poppodcast at gmail.com. I'll announce the winner on the May 13th episode of the show. Now, if you really love the show and want to do even more to help it grow, you can also partner with me at the Patreon link in the show notes for this episode. Patreon, if you don't know, is a platform by which listeners can get all kinds of exclusive bonus content, deleted scenes, etc., from this and other Milieu Media Group podcasts by kicking in as little as $1 a month to help keep the network afloat. Milieu Media Group is my brainchild, and I'm working really hard to produce super high-quality podcasts. There are currently 10 shows on the network with at least a couple more coming in 2019, and I'm really proud of the work I've done on them. But it is work. Lots of work. In fact, Later this week, I'll be sharing an unreleased, raw, unedited episode of 30 Pop, which I recorded last summer, expecting to release it in February of this year, so that patrons can see just how much fun we have, but also how much work goes into turning this show into something worth releasing. Here's a fun, unedited scene from the beginning of that episode, complete with stutters, mouth clicks, and awkward pauses, featuring my older brother and two of my very best friends. With me today, again, returning guest, my lifelong best friend, Nathan Schartz. Nathan, welcome back to the Luke, show. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me to have <laughs> me on. <laughs> my oldest brother, Josh. Josh Bronner, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. And one of the dearest friends of my life, Randy Fuller. Randy, hey, welcome hey. to the show. So glad to be I'm here. I'm so glad to have you. So let's talk real quick. So we're at we're in February of... 1989. So this is actually February 11th is our release day for this episode, which is our mom, Josh. This is our mom's 34th birthday. Yes. Can you believe that? Way to go, Becky. 34th birthday. You did it. February 11th, 1989. That's really hard for me because I am now 39 years old. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard to think about that we're looking back on a time that I remember, and our mom was 34. Hey, we're only 38, dude. We're 39. It's February. Okay. <laughs> Catch up. <laughs> gotcha. We want this to feel like it's gotcha. Okay, okay, time. okay. <laughs> I'm trying to hold on to my last bit of the 30s. Yeah, yeah. You're trying to rush us to 40 here. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, but we are getting close. It is this year that we turn 40. That is true. Yeah, it's true. Very... But, but first, before that tremendous holiday arrives we've got valentine's day which is just a few days away but first randy i want to i want to talk to you this is your yeah. first time being on the show it is you Honored. got that nice bass voice i love it it yeah. sounds so good <laughs> the microphone I've, I've been saving it for the podcast i don't know why you just got all country but <laughs> i don't know randy so okay so so february of 1989 how old were you i would have been seven Give us a little bit of a, no, a feel for... I'm in six. Six. I was about yeah, to say, I don't think you're that old. So yeah. Six years old. Yeah. What are you into at six years old? Mask. <laughs> Mask? that? Mask? No. Really? Well, I, th- I think I was the only one. So it was like an offshoot of G.I. Joe. Okay. It's, it's fine. You can Google it. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> 
it's, okay, but it's 1989, so I can't Google it. That's Tell like me what Mash is. Yeah. So it, I mean, it literally was like a division of like the GI Joe, whatever, and it was a uh, mobile arm strike command. <laughs> command with a K. <laughs> with a K. Yeah, they had to make it work. Okay. Uh, okay, Ben knows what I'm talking about. So you, you had little guys with Matt Tracker. He was the leader of the mask, uh, and they had all this high tech equipment. Already lost interest. And they were they wear <laughs> these helmets and stuff. It's fine. Okay. Did you have GI Joes? Uh, yeah, but you think you're better than that's me? the real deal. Yeah, I for sure do. So mask. I don't know what that is. What else were you into in 1989? He man. He man. Okay. Oh, yeah. Quality. Yeah. So yeah. that would have been late. I mean, He Man's late at I that. I don't know quality, but. Yeah, well, the cartoon was not quality. The toys were fantastic. Toys were awesome. So I, I still have some of my toys. Nice. I bought them, brought them down the other really day. Really sad, the, but um, yeah, they they were like, "Why is the student in his underwear?" <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> We go on to talk about everything from two live crew to the 1989 U.S. political landscape in that episode. And I'm not sure I've laughed quite so much in my life as I did in that recording. Again, you can hear all 40 plus minutes of it in its raw, unedited glory by becoming a patron. If not, no big deal. I'm mostly just thankful that you're listening. Thanks also to Randy Fuller, Nathan Schartz, Nate Williams, and Josh Bronner for being a part of this episode. Friendly reminder that in just a few weeks on May 10th, We'll be recording a live episode of 30 Pop at Houston's Comic Palooza 2019. We'll be looking back 30 years at the release of another one of my favorite childhood films, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. We'll be recording that episode at 2 o'clock on the 10th, but trust me when I tell you you should buy tickets for the entire event, May 10th through the 12th. It is so much fun. I've gone the last four years and I love it. Again, I'll be back next week with some very special guests to look back at the debut of the all-new Mickey Mouse Club. But until then, remember the wisdom of Shoeless Joe Jackson. Look for Low and Away, but watch out for In Your Ear. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Milieu Media Group, visit milieumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1989 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com.